everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. This is episode 100. Woo! 100. (laughs) Yes, we have been doing this for 100 episodes, and um, it has been a really fun ride, and we're super excited, and we're super excited to have you join us for this one. We are entitling this Great Expectations, and it's really kind of a summation of Brittany and my personal kind of how it started versus how it's going kind of thing. So just a really fun conversation about, you know, where, where we started and how we feel like it is. So without further ado, here is episode 100. And Brittany is going to kick us off with the coolest fun fact ever. Oh my God. So in planning this um, episode, I thought it would be amazing to find find something interesting that has to do with the number 100. And it's kind of, we, we kind of didn't find that exactly, but we found a range. Okay. So fun fact, sharks have between 50 and 300 teeth and between 50 and 300 is the number 100. And this is the hundredth episode. So you guys get the correlation. I'm just just throwing it out. I thought it was very imperative that you knew that as dental health professionals. And now if you ever have to treat a shark, you know what to expect. You just need I'm, I'm going to sleep better knowing that tonight. And I'm also super thankful that I'm not a shark hygienist after hearing that. Well, you know, living in Florida, I hope that I never come too close or there's no, no run-ins here, but who knows? Lots of action down here. So this is about great expectations. And I think that Teresa and I would probably both agree that we had some expectations that turned out to be false or partially true, um, some expectations about how something would turn out or be in the real world that just, it just wasn't as expected, you know, some things positively, some things negatively, some things just surprisingly. So one thing that I thought was that hygiene would be easy once I graduated. And I just want to like laugh out loud when I think about that now. Um, So I graduated at the top of my class with the highest GPA. I was the class president. And when I say that now, like, I'm still proud of that. You know, I still think it was an accomplishment, but I realized when I entered the workforce and the real world of hygiene that I faced a lot of problems that I know many of us are familiar with and that I knew very little about the dental industry and about dental hygiene without real world experience. And and that's the only way to gain that kind of knowledge, you know? So I'm not, I'm not like blaming myself or saying that I wasn't fully prepared. It's like one of those things that's experiential. And um, so I, I came to found out slowly, came to find out slowly over time that hygiene itself, actually practicing clinical hygiene is the easy part. And I don't say that to discount the skill and education and practice and refinement that it takes to complete dental hygiene procedures. I'm not trying to minimize our our skills or what it takes to become 
a great clinician. Um, but I am, you know, I was surprised to find that that wasn't the biggest challenge that I would face. So almost immediately I faced, uh, you know, differences in ethics, in practice standards, in treatment plans, you know, I didn't expect that my hygiene treatment plans would be so dictated or manipulated by insurance plans. Um, you know, I faced some relationships with doctors who unfortunately kind of disregarded my perio concerns or set aside my hygiene treatment plans. You know, there I encountered some overdiagnosing, some over underdiagnosing, some substandard hygiene instruments and supplies. You know, I faced offices driven by bottom lines and not necessarily maybe not necessarily their number one was taking very best care of the patient. You know, um, I struggled to find a full-time job and an eventual dental home where I wanted to stay long-term, finding the culture that I wanted to be a part of for long-term, finding the office that I wanted to have that relationship with. Um, and I think that these are all common struggles and maybe things that we're, we're all somewhat surprised with when we exit hygiene school. And I know that I definitely was. And I say all this not... Um, to be depressing or be like, oh, you shouldn't become a hygienist because I'm really thankful at the end of the day that I entered this career. It has been quite a journey. I have learned so much. I do really enjoy what I do. Um, there have definitely been challenges along the way. There have definitely been highs and lows, ebbs and flows in my career, in my relationship, even at my long-term dental office, which has been the Spodak Dental Group in Delray Beach. But it, it took time and it took a lot of adjusting my expectations and, and looking honestly at issues within our industry and finding offices and people who had similar ethical standards, practice standards, um, similar goals, similar values, you know, to me. And, and I think that that's important to know is like coming out of school, you can be highly intelligent. You can be really good at what you do, um, but need to learn a lot about communication or education, or what your own values are. And I think that coming out with that expectation and not necessarily finding what I was expecting um, caused me to have to like soul search. So it turned out to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to piggyback on that because that is actually one of my things that I thought going in as well. I thought <laughs> it would be easy. Um and I, sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking that if we are excited about something and we want to do something and, you know, we, we, we feel like we're wired that way, that, that it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And just like you, like I got in and I was like, oh, like, I, I think I had this baby hygienist mentality and it's really funny. Um, I'm going to tell a side story. I was just telling a patient this week, she's getting ready to finish up her Invisalign and she's debating on, does she want a permanent lingual wire bar or does she want to do the removable, you know, retainers? And we were having a conversation and she's like, well, I mean, isn't that, pain, that, that, you know, bar kind of a pain in the butt to clean around? I'm like, yeah, it, it is. It's definitely more of a challenge. I said, but I'll tell you that, you know, I've seen so many adults who've gone through ortho either as, you know, in their teen years or as young adults, and then they didn't keep up with the retainers and, and their teeth really did shift. Um, and, and some of them you wouldn't have, wouldn't even know they ever had ortho. And I said, so, you know, 
when I was a baby hygienist, I had the audacity to reach out to our local orthodontist that we referred to people all the time and ask him to stop putting those wires on their teeth. How horrific is that? That I, <laughs> Who on earth did I think I was? Um, but, you know, I said now 26 years in, I'm like all for those retainers and it makes all the sense in the world. And it was funny because I, I told, I, I used the fa- phrase baby hygienist with her and she laughed at me. She's an attorney and she goes, it's so funny that you called yourself a baby hygienist because I refer to myself that way as like when I was a baby attorney. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but going in as a baby hygienist, I did. I just thought it was going to be easy. Like I thought it was this, like that you just go in and you talk to people all day and you make their, you know, their smiles better. And, you know, you get to know them and you polish their teeth and they leave happy. And, you know, everybody talks about, they love their hygienist like that. That sounds pretty easy. Um, and, you know, on the, how it's going side of things, it's not easy in the least, you know, like nobody, you don't really understand the time management portion of it, honestly, because think about it in school when you had like four hours to see a patient and you were bored out of your mind waiting for an instructor to come check you off for each sub, each, you know, subsection of what you were doing. And then you get in the real world and realize, oh my gosh, my hair's on fire. And like, I don't, I don't know how to keep up with all this. And I'm juggling a thousand balls. And like, you know, it, it, was not easy. Um, it is not easy. I didn't anticipate, like you said, a lot of the communication issues. Um, and, and really that's between the team aspect and patients. Like, you know, really there's a, a definitely a large population of patients who don't have the highest dental IQ and they rely on us to really explain and, and help them understand. And, you know, I didn't anticipate all of those hard conversations. Um, yeah. I always joke and say that I'm not super tech savvy. So the technology changes that have come over the years, which are fantastic. Like you guys have heard me talk before, like the iTero was really scary to me at the beginning and now I'm obsessed with it. So I'm, you know, I've learned to embrace these things, but I will say they have not been easy things. You know, it's been much more. And then I'll say to me, like the biggest part of the not easy is I did not understand the weight of the responsibility that I was getting myself into when, when we look at the oral systemic connection and we look at what, what we're responsible for. And the more and more I understand, I'm actually preparing a presentation right now for um, our, our yearly annual um, kickoff meeting for our, our team, our hygiene team. And I'm kind of digging in and and I'm pulling some, you know, pre-tests, pre-salivary tests and post-treatment salivary tests and, you know, looking at what, what we've been doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it's when you, when you look at the, the fact that we're, you know, doing these gingivitis therapy cleanings without really knowing what's there. And then, you know, they come back six months later and there's still inflammation. We're like, okay, we're going to test and see what's happening. And there's all this stuff. And I'm like, I just sent all that into their bloodstream last time. Like the weight of things is definitely not easy. Um, and in fact, I, you know, I'll be super honest. I'm struggling a little bit right now with with this whole shift in learning the new things we're learning and and especially when it comes to salivary testing and what is the most effective way to really help patients get healthy and it's not cut and dry and there there's no solid answers on all cases and that that stresses me out because I want to get everybody healthy and I want to do the right thing in every case and I can only do my best and and you know that's where I've had to land on that and, and the best is all I can do but um, yeah, definitely not easy, but I do think really, really rewarding. 
in light of that and able, the fact that we are able to get patients healthy and we are able to make such a crucial impact on their lives, whether it be, you know, from a cosmetic aspect where now they just feel better about themselves and, you know, they're, they're smiling and, you know, you, we've seen those patients whose lives have just been transformed because we have helped them really change the aesthetics of their smile and feel more comfortable. And then we've seen those patients whose lives have been transformed because we saved their lives. You know, right. they, they were really sick and we were able to help them get healthy. So it is, it is not easy, but it is very fulfilling, very rewarding to me. So this is so interesting because Sharice and I came up with our top five each and didn't refer to each other's as we were writing them. And I feel like they're so similar because it's going a little out of order, but this, I feel like is the next thing on, on my list, according to what you just talked about. And that's, I thought that hygiene would be more comfortable than it is. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I didn't expect to have so many uncomfortable conversations with patients about disease. Um, I didn't expect to be so heavily involved in the grieving process for so many patients regarding the loss and the measure of their health, you know, or even the grieving process in something going on in their personal life or, or the um, celebration, you know, in their personal life. I didn't expect that. Um, and I think that hygiene is unexpectedly hard. This is one of the reasons that for me, it's unexpectedly difficult. And it's also, you know, like I said, incredibly joyous because we get, we do get to walk with people on their journey and whatever their lives look like to um, help them overcome chronic illness, to help them find health, to help them achieve a higher quality of life, you know, to save their lives in some instances. And um, that's one of the ways that I thought it would be more comfortable. I, did, I didn't realize how emotional and how much uh, communication refinement and emotional intelligence I would need to do this job well. Um, and in addition, I thought that it would be easier. I don't know what, I, I don't know what my ex expectation was regarding relationships with doctors and the team, but I thought that relationships with doctors would be easier and that my, my degree or, you know, my license earned me some automatic level of respect and that there wouldn't be a requirement for like ongoing abundant communication with the doctors. So I thought that essentially, like, I guess it's, it's this in summary, I thought that I would do my hygiene thing over here and the doctor would do their restorative thing over there. Right. Just like my, my hygiene school brain, like not realizing, no, oh, this is one person, one patient. We have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. There has to be this ongoing dialogue about where they are in their health journey and what happens next and in what order and who's going to do what, you know? So, you know, the, an example, a simple example would be, you know, a new patient comes in needing extractions. They need some restorative. They need ortho. They also need scaling. Um, they have a chief complaint of whitening. So obviously all of those things combined involves a big picture team planning session. And it involves a lot of ongoing kind of pivots as new research emerges and kind of a lot of communication regarding why are we changing our treatment planning modalities? Um, what made you make this decision clinically? Um, you know, that, that kind of back and forth constantly because medicine is constantly evolving. Patients are constantly changing, like in and of themselves, each individual, right, is changing. They have their own um, unique host response, right? And risk factors and genetics and all, all these different things. Um, but I, I didn't expect so much of that. So I expected on the communication front, mostly for things to be more comfortable. 
Yeah, you make a really good point that I hadn't really thought about before, but in hygiene school, we never, we didn't have that conversation with the doctor at all. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we mm-hmm. really didn't get trained on how to do that handoff and how to, yeah. how to have that back and forth. And I, you know, I am obviously currently not in school and very far from those years, but it could be different now, but the absence of having that doctor and, and having that transition. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right. It's funny because I actually had, and this isn't necessarily one of mine, but I just want to, you know, piggyback on that is I kind of was the opposite way from you. When I first got out of school, I still felt very insecure in what I knew. And I just wasn't really ready to put myself out there. So I was very kind of just in the shadow of my doctor, I guess I should say, you know, I'd kind of, I felt like I just was going to stay in my lane and and not really kind of veer out of that. And as I've gotten um, more, I would say educated again on the oral systemic link and, you know, Atlanta dental spa definitely was a, a brand new, um, team culture and, and communication between doctors and hygienists. And it, it really did open my eyes to what you're saying now of like, oh, this is a continued conversation. This is a putting our heads together. This is, you know, really the collaboration that, that it should look like. And uh, I just didn't necessarily uh, anticipate that, but I've really appreciated that. I, it, it, that is one of the things I've realized me personally, that, that feeds what I love about hygiene is getting to put our heads together with the docs and really think this through and, and really work collectively. I think that's an appealing thing for sure. Hey, Bulletproof Hygienists. We are excited to announce our 2023 Bulletproof Summit. Mark the date on your calendar and block off patient care because we're going to be in Las Vegas, August 11th and 12th at the Wynn Hotel. Registration is live. Get all the details and jump on the early bird specials by going to bulletproofsummit.com. This is our opportunity to connect with you and your team in person and grow exponentially together. We promise you don't want to miss it and we can't wait to see you there. Sign up today. My next thing, and don't laugh, but <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say these words. I thought that being a dental hygienist was going to be glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <And> so <laughs> before before you continue, I have a similar point, just using a different word, and I think you're gonna we're, we're both gonna laugh together. So go ahead. Okay. So, and I, I think I know where this comes from is back in the day, like in my childhood, we watched a lot of television in our homes and um, I just, that, you know, I remember so many like little sitcoms or shows that, you know, would make reference to like the cute blonde hygienist or, you know, like the hygienist, everybody loves the hygienist, you know? And I just thought it was going to be like this fun, glamorous job where you like looked cute in your scrubs and you went in and you talked to the patient and, you know, everybody was, it was all smiles and fun and they left with their teeth white and clean and they told you all the fun things. Like I did, I was, I don't know. I just thought it was going to be glamorous. And then <laughs> post, post COVID PPE. <laughs> oh yeah. That was where we look like mummies. Like there's no cuteness involved. Um, and honestly, if we think about it, like we leave every day, like coated in disgusting materials mm-hmm. and yeah, patients spit and 
Um, you know, then there's that whole like patient sharing way too much TMI. Like, you know, I, we all, we, we should have an episode sometime of just the crazy things patients have shared with us because it's way too much information. And thank God we have masks on so we don't have to keep the straight face sometimes. Um, I'm just going to share one of those really quick because. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so I had a patient who, um, she came very consistently and it was her six month cleaning. And when I assessed her perio, like she had a lot of bleeding and inflammation. And I was like, what, what is going on? This is not you. Like what's changed? And she's like, I don't really know. And like nothing. She's like, I'm doing my home care. Like I haven't changed my diet, blah, blah, blah. And then it like clicked in my brain that she had said like at the very beginning, like, Hey, what's going on? How are you? She's like, Oh my gosh, I got a new puppy. And she showed me the picture blah, blah, blah. And I was like, in my brain, something in the back of my brain was like, well, that was a change. So I like just comfortably was like, well, wait, you got your puppy. Like, are you feeding them treats or like, what are you, what are you doing? Is there anything that, you know, cause dogs, we have the same bacteria in our mouths and that can be shared. And she's like, oh no, not, a, I don't do a whole lot of treats. She said, but you know what I am doing because I want to start good habits for him is I'm brushing his teeth every day, but he doesn't like the toothbrush. So I got, I, I just put it on my finger. I put like the toothpaste on my finger and like just scrub his teeth with that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I kind of said, just thinking it wasn't even a question that needed to be asked, but I was like, so you just, you know, like you wash your hands after that, right? And she's like, oh no, I just wipe it. I just wipe my finger on a paper towel. And I'm so glad I had a mask on because like, what? So yeah, I had to instruct her that she really needs to wash her hands with soap and water afterwards because they carry the same bacteria. But anyway, again, just, you never know what you're going to hear. So um, sometimes not so glamorous information. Um, You know, I don't know about you guys, but there are definitely, you know, we all, I think, agree that there's those days where we didn't get to eat lunch. It was all we could do to go pee or get a sip of water. And like you walk by the mirror on your way out and you look like someone hit you with a truck, like so far from glamorous. I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to have to go to the chiropractor every week to keep Mm -hmm. myself, you know, in a good place. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, not so glamorous, but again, I do love what I do. Putting the loops on and off, the loop hair of the day, those little flyaways. And then not to, you know, not to mention the little like bumps on your nose from where the loops have dug in from like staying there all day long, you know, squinting. Your makeup is like bleeding down your face from sweating in your mat, you know. Yep. That, you have a cold. That's no, no. Talk about glamorous. I just got to know who else cuts cotton rolls in half and sticks them up their nose under the mask. Just I, FYI, just what FYI it works really well when you have a runny nose. I've known a few. I've known a few people. Yep. I tried it yep. myself. Okay, so along the same stream, not not exactly the same, but similar to your glamorous, I put prestigious. I thought it was going to be so prestigious to be a hygienist. So in hygiene school, um, I graduated in 2012, and I don't know if this is similar, if it's still this way, if it was this way for decades before, but in hygiene school our professors really hammered home the message of the importance of our role and influence on our patients' lives as hygienists. And I thought it was a serious honor to be graduating as a medical professional. And I still 100% believe it is. And I definitely believe what they told me about it being highly impactful and that our role can and does fill a huge role for patients emotionally, holistically, health-wise, like in many ways. But the hard part for me is that I don't think, I think it's probably better than it was 10 years ago, but 
I don't think that many other people know our value or think that we are so highly valuable or really understand that. So oftentimes, you know, for instance, from a patient perspective and from other, you know, dental health professionals and, and different people in the health industry. So oftentimes I'm called a tech, you know, you're, you're the best tech I've ever had. Oh, you're such a good tech. And it's like insulting. Like I just, I'm, and a lot of times I'll correct them and say, oh, I'm actually, I'm a hygienist, you know, I'm, I'm not a tech and actually the tech's in the lab. <laughs> you know, people don't know a lot of times that a degree or a license is required to become a hygienist. And there's just a, a minimal understanding, I think, of that. And I can tell sometimes, I don't want to generalize completely, but I can tell when I'm meeting a new patient, a lot of times in the consult room at Spodak, we do this thing where the doctor and the hygienist come review medical history with the patient in a consult room in like this private room, this private area together to be on the same level, like eye contact wise and to make the patient feel more comfortable and to meet and greet in a non-clinical, therefore non-threatening to most, most patients settings and talk about any anxiety that they have. But I can tell a lot of times in this introduction or this introductory period of the appointment, their body language, the patient's body language toward the doctor is very different than their body language toward me until much later on in the appointment. It's almost like um, toward the doctor, they're like, this is the person I need to tell everything to. This is the person who understands what I'm saying. This is the person who I value. This is who I'm here to see kind of thing. And then generally speaking, not always, generally speaking, their body language toward me is very impersonal until I take all the diagnostics, educate them, go through everything with them. And people usually say something like, are, are you a hygienist? Are you the doctor? Are you, are you just a hygienist? You know, and they use that kind of verbiage. Or what kind of degree did you need to do what you're doing now? And I'm like, oh, yeah, a, a dental hygiene degree. Like, I'm a dental hygienist just practicing to the full extent of my licensure, you know? So, and I think that we do this to ourselves to some extent. I think that we, by not practicing um, to that full extent and, and practicing with all the things that we are capable of doing within our licensure and degree, like, we show people that our value is less than what it actually is. Like, so I go to a, a chiropractor in the area, you know, once a week or so, and there's a great chiropractor there. He's very nice, but we get to talking sometimes. And I was telling him I was going away for one of our summits, I think it was, and explain to him that you and I are educators and what we do and that we partner with our bosses. And it's this really great thing and explain that. And then he kind of asked me some questions and I said, oh, I'm actually, you know, the lead in my office. And this was before I handed that off to Ashley, who's one of our amazing hygienists um, and was telling him about some of the other roles that I have. And he goes, oh, and here I thought you were just a hygienist, you know, and he thought he was complimenting me when he said that. And I'm just like, if, if only you knew. And then he talks about his hygiene visits with whoever his hygienist is. And it's not at, at my practice. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, they polish and they they tell me to floss and, you know, that's, that's public perception and it yeah. me to no end, you know, and I, and this, ha this has to be true to some extent for like all medical professions, because I don't know the full extent of what a radiologist does or what a cardiothoracic surgeon does. Like I have an inkling, but I don't know everything. So I don't expect people to be like pros on what we do. I just think that the general perception is different than what it actually is. Yeah. Well, and I think if we think about it, I mean, this is, I think, honestly, where there is a big chasm and disconnect between medicine and dentistry, which I don't think there should be a separation at all at this point, because the mouth feeds directly into the body and shows a lot of signs of other things that are going on. But 
I think there's unfortunately kind of that mindset of, oh, well, they're just a dentist. They're not a doctor kind of thing, which is so, so, so wrong. But I think for the hygienist part, like think about this, how many patients come in because they just want a cleaning, right? So to them, we are just the hygienist. That's like the tooth janitor of their teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's on us to kind of educate them and teach them and show them, you know, what we are capable of. But sadly, I think in in our industry, there's still that mindset of a lot of dentists toward their hygienist. And I think, right. you know, obviously that's our whole mission in Bulletproof is to, you know, kind of break down those walls and say, no, we're providers. We're really, really important part of you know, patient care and the practice health and, and all of that. But I, I think you're right that, yeah, it, it's not uh, as prestigious as, as it should be for in light of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think my next thing was I thought being a hygienist was going to be lucrative. And I'm happy to say I think it is. <laughs> um, and I think it's become more so that way. Um, you know, just the more I've learned and grown and gotten comfortable with how to communicate with patients and how to educate with patients. I just had a patient yesterday who is a perio maintenance patient and he has just started taking um, an injectable for Crohn's disease. And, you know, I was talking to him. He's a perio protect user. He wears it every day. He's very diligent and his mouth looks great. Um, but he said to me, uh, well, I was informing him. I said, I don't know if you know this or not, that there are some oral pathogens that really actually like acidity. So, you know, like PG can survive the intestinal tract and can Mm -hmm. actually drive that inflammation to contribute to Crohn's. So it's really important that we make sure that, you know, that's not present. And we had actually done some salivary testing for him a couple months back and he had, he had some PG and we treated that antibiotically and and did did some therapy and He's been in his trays ever since and he's maintaining well. So when I said, Hey, it's time to set up your three month, he was like, well, but I think doesn't my insurance just cover like every six months. And I literally just said, yeah, do you want to let them dictate that for you? And I just paused and he goes, he kind of looks at me and he's like, Oh, I guess not. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's just one extra out of, out of pocket for you a month, but I think it's really important in light of what you've got going on. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Okay. But I think it's that I've been doing this long enough that I'm comfortable just asking that question. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you want to let them dictate, cool, we'll schedule it that way. But if you don't, if you want this to be your baby, then let's do it the right way. Um, So I think getting comfortable has helped with that. Um, I think, you know, I'll say we, I actually, I'm not an hourly hygienist. Um, And I think that's beneficial for me because I actually get paid a portion of what I bring in collections wise. And I think that's a really good fit. It drives me to do what I need to do. Um, It drives me to collect for the practice because, you know, what we produce is just monopoly money. If if it doesn't actually come in, it's not really part of what we're doing. So um, I think that shift in paradigm, which I'll be honest, I was terrified of at the beginning because it was something so different and I didn't know how that was going to pan out. And now looking back, I love that. So I, I do like, you know, I feel, I feel very grateful and very blessed that I work a four day week schedule and it's still very lucrative for me. So, you know, I think that that did go the right way. And I, and I, and I am enjoying that aspect of it. Yeah. And I think that the, you know, the, the ways that it can be lucrative can maybe look different per hygienist. I know some people prefer hourly 
right? Some people prefer percentage of collections. I, I love the percentage of collections. I'm on a similar model to you. And, you know, like you, it drives me to use my time really wisely. Um, it motivates me to have a butt in the chair, no matter what, you know, do whatever I have to do, think outside the box, get resourceful, uh, make sure that that's happening, that confirmations are solid, that uh, cancellation fees are being collected, that just in general, we're collecting what we're producing or, or very, very close to it, you know, so that's a great point. So I thought one of the um, thoughts that I had in hygiene school and kind of when considering this as a career is that hygiene would be a really kind of strict, hard bracketed, hard stop nine to five job. And I think technically it is like, right, we can only practice on our patients when we're physically at work. We don't take our patients home with us, right? Um, but there's so much at stake. And I know there have been many times when I have definitely taken work home with me. So, you know, whether it's a disagreement with coworkers, a provider dismissing a treatment plan and needing to have a hard conversation, wondering if I got the calculus and the distolingual 15 in that seven millimeter pocket, trying to remember if I definitely scheduled a recare, trying to remember if I definitely did an oral cancer screening, when, you know, instead of just getting caught up and socializing with a person, you know, whenever someone comes in unexpectedly, like hot with some information or they want to talk about something and you get out of the flow. And I'm like, wait, did I, did I take a photo? Did I do this? Like those things that like wake me up in the middle of the night. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. I don't think I did that. I need to put it in my note. I need to add an addendum. I need to blah, blah, blah. So, you know, did I collect the right amount? Did I finish my notes for the day? The list goes on and on and on. Did I schedule that recare? And, you know, in healthcare, there's even the more scary things that I've experienced, such as a patient who didn't disclose that he had a bleeding disorder before I scaled him. And then three days later, he's still bleeding and he calls the office like, hey, there's something wrong. And he's like, oh, by the way, I have this problem. I didn't tell you about it. I didn't think that it was pertinent. You know, of course, we reviewed medical history. Of course, he signed the medical history and just didn't disclose the problem that he had. Um, you know, a needle stick. I've stuck my finger with a needle before. And had to disclose and go to the doctor and do follow-up blood testing. And that was, you know, terrifying. It's a, it's very emotionally tormenting, you know, and these are the things that have kept me up at night. So, you know, in addition to all of these things, it's, it's that all of these things are happening while we are dealing with other humans. You know, we're not dealing one-on-one -on -one with things, with products, with concepts, like we are dealing with living people and the things that I do or don't do impact their lives. And that, that is a huge weight and responsibility. And those are the things that make it to me, not so much a nine to five job, even though I'm technically doing dental hygiene in a nine to five time frame. Yeah, I agree with you. In fact, a week ago, uh, it was Saturday morning. I woke up and, you know, I get up so early anyway, that even on the weekend, my brain wakes up pretty early and I was laying there and I was like, Oh no, I submitted for whitening trays for that patient, but we only needed the lower tray because he has upper veneers, but I don't think I put it in on the website and like, I'm like starting to panic. And I was like, wait, I can do this from my phone now. I've gotten more tech savvy. So yeah. I did, I hopped in real quick and just sent a message like, Hey, that was lower only, but yeah, I totally get what you mean. And yeah, there's so many times I'm driving home from work. I'm like, wait, did I, did I put that in? And like, I start just, I have a note in my phone now, like to go back and check or, you know, it, it is very easy to bring a lot of the emotional side of it and all the details that we have to balance kind of home for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that leads into what I thought, um, that I thought it was going to be flexible. And for me, when I, I, I knew I wanted to be a hygienist, um, kind of towards the end of middle school into high school, um, we lived in a small town in Florida that had a community college that had a hygiene program there. And I remember in eighth grade, like somebody, I think came to the school and talked about it or something. And I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. And then I had a friend in hygiene school or in high school, sorry, who did the work study program and worked in the dental office. And she would talk about it all the time. And like the more she talked about it, I thought that sounds really cool. And obviously very glamorous. Um, And so, um, but the more I looked into it and I realized, um, this looks like there's a lot of flexibility and opportunity because I knew what I really, really wanted to do in life was to be a mom. I knew I wanted to have a family and I wanted a job that I could be flexible with that because when they were little, I wanted to be around more, you know, um, do all the mom things. So, you know, I thought it was going to be very flexible and I, I do feel like it's very flexible. Um, you know, there was a period in my life when I had my kids that I got to take some, you know, a couple months off with them. And then when I went back, it was a two day or a three day a week thing. Um, you know, when I founded Atlanta Dental Spa, I was working at my old practice four days a week and I was coming to Atlanta Dental Spa one day a week. And that kind of morphed over time. Um, I feel like if I need time off, you know, you know, we can work out to have somebody cover my schedule or I can close that out. So I have enjoyed that flexibility. And I think that is a really nice thing. Um, you know, you can take time off to go do a CE somewhere or, um, if you just need a break, it's it's available. So I have enjoyed that flexibility of kind of being able to to do that ebb and flow um, to take care of myself and my family as well. So that I've I've enjoyed that aspect. I think so, and I think your last point goes to that too. Do you want to go ahead and share your last one? Sure, sure. Close right into it, and then I'll share. Yeah. My last one. So I thought it was going to be a good job. Um, and again, starting out with the goal of, you know, future family in mind, um, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be a good job where I can go in and just, you know, talk to people and help get them healthy and happy and enjoy their smile and get to know people and, and be social because I enjoy that. Um, but what I didn't anticipate was that it was going to be a passion, and really a fulfilling career. You know, I thought it was going to be a great job. I didn't know it was going to turn into just an absolute passion. And I love what I do. I truly believe it is a gift. Um, you know, hopefully you've heard heard my voice that it is hard and I do struggle. And, um, you know, there are those moments where you want to pull your hair out and you just think, oh, I just want to run screaming from the building. It was not a good day. It was not an easy one. It, you know, there's some tough things going on, you know, that we're down staff, we're down staff wise and I'm drowning and, you know, whatever that looks like. But I was just having this conversation with a teammate yesterday. I said, but, you know, every day I leave here, I can look back on at least one patient and one interaction that I felt like I was really able to impact someone. I was really able to share something incredible with them or help them with something. And sometimes it is not even dentally related. Sometimes it's just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be trusted like we are, to be confidants like we are, you know, patients really do, you know, Brittany, you talked about sometimes it takes a while for that patient to warm up to you and realize, oh, this, this person's really amazing and they know their stuff. Yeah. But once they do, man, they really trust us and they get excited and they ask me, you know, they come in like, how are your boys? How, you know, they want to know about me. And so we really have this beautiful ability to create 
true relationships with people. And, you know, once, you know, people don't know, don't care about you until they know how much you care, that, that <laughs> statement, and I may not even be saying it right, but it's so, so true. And once we have been able to establish that with our patients, then when we do make those recommendations um, for dental care and, and, you know, promoting health and wellness, they're going to follow through because they know we're trustworthy and they send their friends and their family to us. And it just, it's, it is a very feel good, fulfilling career that I wouldn't trade for anything. Oh, <laughs> um, so I thought my number five is I thought that hygiene, clinical hygiene would be limited or that it would be the end of the road. And what I mean by that is I thought I'd stay in clinical hygiene until I retired and eventually became an educator at a university because that is the track that hygienists go on. And that is period, hard stop, period, de-teach, period. Um, and I'm now thinking, you know, hygiene is just one aspect of my life now. And professionally, I'm interested in art and real estate. And I have very, I have minimal interest now in ending up teaching at a university. And I don't think it's because I dislike teaching. I just am finding that I am sharing what I've learned in my experience in different ways. So not necessarily limited to teaching at a university is what I mean by that. So I'm interested in teaching in ways that I didn't know formally were options. So some of the, the examples of that is our mastermind. You know, you and I doing hygiene summits together, doing these podcasts, it's dynamic. And for me, that keeps things interesting and exciting. And I like the change of pace, of topic, of the view. I love meeting new people. And I'm finding that my career goals continue to change and evolve as I grow as a person. So I came in with a pretty finite uh, view or beliefs about what this career could turn into or how it could change and ebb and flow and evolve over time. And I'm just finding that there are so many more options than I originally thought. and I think that you and I are both on this journey of finding what the next step is and the next niche is and our next place and where we're going with all of this. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was also having a conversation with the same team member yesterday. Cause she was saying like, how much longer do you think you're going to be actually, you know, doing patient care? Cause this, mm-hmm. this year will be 27. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, there's definitely days my neck hurts and my back hurts and I'm really tired and Um, and that I was saying, but every day I leave with that, you know, that moment that I had, that was awesome. But at the same time I said, well, I've got one kid starting college next year and I've got one, two years behind him. So that's at least six years until they're done with college. So talk to me then Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we'll see. But, um, I've been super appreciative and excited about Bulletproof too, because it just gives us a way, like you said, it's, it's, it keeps the passion alive of mm-hmm. being able to share and connect. Connection is everything. Um, we, we do it with our patients and our team all day, but getting to connect with hygienists community-wise, I think is so, so important. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been fun. Well, I hope you all have enjoyed this episode and happy 100 if you've been us been with us here the whole journey and have listened to all of the podcast episodes we'd love to hear from you uh, we'd love to connect with you and want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here with us every single week um yes please please connect with us by downloading the mighty networks app and search bulletproof hygiene you can comment um give us ideas for future podcasts for number 101 through 500 
I know it's highly aspirational. Um, but we also really hope to see you. If you've never made it to a bulletproof summit, um, we are live this year in Las Vegas in August 2023. And we would love to see your face, shake your hand, give you a hug, and would love to answer any questions that you have, interact with you on a person-to-person basis. Um, and we'd love to see you there. Yeah, just go to bulletproofsummit.com to get more information. And like Brittany said, I, I'm throwing out the challenge. If you guys, if any of you have listened to all 100 of our podcasts, please come tell us that on our Mighty Network, because that is congratulatory. I need to send you something. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been super fun. Happy 100. Let's go, Bulletproof Hygienists. We're just going to keep going forward. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next week. Everybody have a good one. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you. 